This is episode 70 of the Christian Travelers Network. Today, I will be reading my journal entries from my trip to China. Welcome to the Christian Travelers Network, where travel stories, community, and scripture combine. Hey, Christian Travelers, what is up? I'm so glad that you are here today because even though I have been talking about travel, sometimes it feels like with COVID, these are big dreams and travel is not as much in our vocabulary at the current time. So to help with the fact that many of us are stuck at home, I thought this might be another opportunity to talk about my trip to China. Kind of similar to how I did my trip to Ghana in previous episodes, where I just read some of my journal entries. But before I dive into that, I want to once again encourage you to subscribe to our podcast. Visit us at christiantravelers.net, where you'll find other faith and travel resources, previous podcasts, links to Pinterest, Facebook, Instagram, and of course, if you subscribe to our emailing list, you'll receive travel devotions faith and travel resource tools, and updates whenever our podcasts go live. So, without further ado, uh, I want to tell you a little bit about how this trip came into place. First of all, this was not a Christian trip. It was with a bunch of 4-Hers who I actually competed with to win this trip. I had to write about how agriculture affects America's relationship with China. And mind you, I am not a farmer. I grew up in a small town. Well, for Iowa, it was fairly large. But anyway, I had grown up in town, had no agricultural history, but I did my research and was one of the lucky 11 winners to get to take this trip. And so the group that we went with was called the Global was called the Global Youth Excellence Program, and they introduced us to some of Chinese agriculture, and we got to see the sites. But just like anything else, I believe that God is plays a big part of our travels, no matter if they're for fun or for missions. Uh, God is evident in all of them, so let's see what my experiences were and see what we can draw as conclusions of how God showed up in some of those things. Day 1 and 2. The journey has begun. I got up at 5 this morning to get ready and head to the airport. Once we were past security, we all sat in the children's play area conversing. I now know a few names, but I am still mainly clueless. To help pass the time on the flights, I played cards with those around me. It was hard to play across the aisle, but Jared and Mandy joined me in the card game. We also played tic-tac-toe, connect the dots, and hangman. Airplane food is very good, very filling. At the airport in Tokyo, I actually set off the alarm. Apparently, even though you can leave your shoes on, you should still remove your belt. After that, I caved and slept off and on during our flight. When we got into Beijing, I truly began to realize there was going to be a language barrier. I enjoyed the notification to step off the moving sidewalk, spoken in Chinese. We met our tour guide who took us directly to the hotel for some sleep before our journey really begins. Day three. First of all, I want to just sign out and say this has been um, a little over nine years since I went on this trip, so if I mispronounce things, 
please give me some grace and forgiveness. I'll do my best. Day three. In Tiananmen Square, we were swarmed by Chinese citizens taking pictures of us and trying to sell their products. To get from the square to the Forbidden City, we walk through an underground tunnel. The city's two main colors are red, which represents luck, and yellow represents the emperor's imperialism. Out of respect for the emperor, the citizens do not paint their homes with either of these colors. We are shown different rooms, emperor's bed and study, the cultivation of knowledge, beautiful garden, and the dragon lady's room. In China, a male is represented by a dragon with a pearl, since this represents power. If the pearl is lost or destroyed, the male has lost their power. Women are typically represented by a phoenix. Since Dragon Lady took the throne for so long, she earned a name that showed people loved her and respected her power. We went to lunch, which tasted heavenly. The sweetened chicken was the best. Since we all ate with chopsticks, it was hard to pick up our food. We often had to stop the Lazy Susan as it circled our food around in the middle of the table. The plates were very tiny. They were only four inches in diameter. Our next stop was the silk factory. We got to help stretch apart the silk threads to make the quilt. It's not very easy to stretch it at all. I purchased a silk quillow, a combination of a pillow and a quilt. Following this, we went to a farmer's market. I was shocked by the cultural difference and truly enjoyed it, minus the smell. On the streets, the upper part of the buildings were used for homes and the lower levels for stores. Nothing was refrigerated. Pop sat outside in carts. The produce market was inside a building without air conditioning. The few fans weren't running and any areas that could be refrigerated weren't. Meat that was cut up in the morning hung there covered in flies. Cutting boards and knives were covered in guts and blood. At the Pearl Factory, we learned that they make their pearls in freshwater lakes from oysters. Apparently, they take a piece of a clam and put it in the oyster, which causes it to get irritated and produce a pearl. Common colors are white, pink, black, and purple, which is only found or produced in China. I didn't know there could be more than one pearl in an oyster, but this one had 19. Our next stop was a Kung Fu show. It gave us an example of how they go about their Buddhist practices. I found it very interesting. None of the performers talked. Instead, the screen briefly explained what was going on during each scene in many different languages. Okay, I'm going to stop there and kind of hit up some things that I have just read. So first of all, chopsticks. One of the things that I learned there was that if you can pick up peanuts then you are skilled at using chopsticks, which by the end of my trip, I got really good at chopsticks and I still love using them. Um, also, the Quillow, I totally still have that. It was really fascinating part of the tour to get to see and touch like real silk. The farmer's market was actually really nauseating. The smells from these I don't know, massive bags, probably like 30, 40 pound bags of just seasonings wifting through the air and meat dripping with blood was a little much. And they had, you know, like when you go to the deli market, you have the little area where your meat is displayed. They had some meat in those areas, but it wasn't turned on. It wasn't being refrigerated. So it was just kind of overwhelming. And then the show 
I don't remember as much of it, but it was kind of an interesting kind of introduction to their culture. Um, and they had people performing on the stage and like someone speaking over the speakers, uh, just kind of narrating what was happening so that we could follow along. Day four. At the Jade Factory, we learned that Jade is super expensive, and they price it by its color. A small piece of Jade can cost more than a big piece of Jade due to its color. The reason it is so expensive is because they believe that Jade is capable of healing people. To remove evil spirits and sickness, they either wear Jade and or comb their skin with a Jade brush. Wearing a Jade bracelet is very common because it resembles harmony since it's a perfect circle. We then were allowed to freely roam the store and examine jade. We found a massive ship that had been designed out of a single piece of jade. I have the picture here, and looking at it, I'm guessing it's probably five foot long by maybe three and a half feet tall. Very elaborate. They said it took five years to complete. Totally believe that. Several employees would approach us wanting to practice their English, but Jared was the only one who had a lengthy conversation about the prices and the other things in the store. So that was kind of one of the difficult things. Their culture is very much a bargaining culture, and so for them to be fluent in English is very important, um, but it can be very overwhelming when you're not used to bargaining. And so, basically, he asked if he could practice English by practicing his salesmanship on Jared and uh, pretty much, like, tried to convince him to sell things and, like, Jared would teach him how to rephrase what he was saying. At the Ming tombs, we went into one building and displayed important items and stories from the Ming dynasty. The 60 pillars in the building were from their own tree and they were enormous. There were many different crowns, platters, and jade creations. The reason that the tombs keep getting smaller is because they respect their ancestors and ancestors deserve bigger and better. So essentially when you die, you don't just like try and have a bigger tomb than the previous person who died. So you make something a little bit smaller, but they were still fairly large. Our next stop was the Great Wall of China. I was so amazed by its extent and beauty. We rode up on a sky lift. The wall was super steep and the steps varied from two inches tall to two feet tall. On our walk back down, we passed the market and the bargaining begins. I paused to look at a Chinese robe sash kimono. So she began pulling different things off the shelf. She pulled a beautiful one that was an image of a Chinese lady dressed in red. She told me 180 yuan which is their currency. I was so nervous. She lowered it to 150. When I said I'll think about it, she dropped it to 100. She kept asking what I thought. I said 75. She disagreed and we settled on 95. I was informed by Jane that the robe is a lady from a well-known story, Dream Lady in Red Mansion. I still have this robe. And so as we're coming down the Great Wall, um, what I didn't know, like, I was so nervous about bargaining that, that rather than, like, actually trying to bargain with her, I, like, wanted to go ask someone what they thought. What I didn't realize was that around the corner was a gate kind of leaving the Great Wall of China, and then you couldn't, like, turn around and get back in. So, instead, 
like you would go to this marketplace and be able to bargain for other items and she was on the side that was like just coming off of the great wall and not turning back around and so she kept saying you won't come back you won't come back um and she was right once i would have gone through that gate i couldn't have gone back um so essentially she set a really high price and dropped it to about half of it um and it the images on it were based on a book called dream lady and red mansion but i have actually never really been able to find the story i've been curious what the story is so if you have come across it please let me know uh continuing on after that we went to a very fancy restaurant where the plate sizes moved up to a shocking six inches kafka was sponsoring the meeting we had pecking duck, apparently a very common dish in China. They wrapped the meat in a paper-like pancake and dipped the meat in blueberry sauce. We didn't know what a lot of the food was that we tried, but they were good anyway. The only food I didn't like was the pig's ear. If I'm being honest, it looked like chocolate bacon, but it tasted like you were eating cartilage, which makes sense, and it just wasn't really delicious. Um, I do want to stop and say something about the plates, like the plates being four inches or six inches in the Lazy Susan. If you've never experienced this, essentially it's a table and in the middle is a spinning circle with plates on it. And so throughout the course of the meal, they would bring out more food on dishes on the Lazy Susan and it spins around. And as it comes by you, you can stop the Lazy Susan or if you're more skilled, you know, you don't have to stop it. Um, and you take a few things and you put it on your plate. And because your plate size is smaller, um, you'll, you're basically like nibbling on it and then later on you get more food. And you eat until you're full, but um, I think the idea is like your eyes won't make you eat more than you can actually handle. Like when in America we have like 9, 11-inch plates depending, and so oftentimes you put more food on and we eat a lot more. And they are much more about eating less. In fact, their whole system of how they eat is kind of different. They, they were saying, like, different times of the day is, like, eat for me, eat for my friends, eat for my enemies. And so based on that, they would eat different quantities. And I think in America, we just kind of eat the same proportions all day long. And I think that they might eat, like, breakfast is their biggest meal and it gets down to dinner, which is their smallest. Or it might be the vice versa. Either way... Um, and then when they're bringing the food out on the Lazy Susan, you know it's all done when they bring out the watermelon because that's their dessert, um, which is kind of interesting. So, yeah. Day five. We went to a school and met the students. To attend the school, they go through a competition. The 1,000 students in the school wear uniforms, white shirts, and blue pants. Girls must wear their hair up, and everyone must run 800 meters in three minutes for P.E. One girl moved two hours away from her family to go to school here and only returns home about once a year. Her favorite classes are art, English, and Chinese. After school, she spends a lot of time doing homework or playing video games. She is 16 and for her, school starts in September. Her summer break is only a month and a half because they go to a year-round school. Like many Americans, she likes Justin Bieber. 
She hasn't decided what she wants to be when she graduates, but she is considering becoming a singer, an engineer, or a basketball player. We then visited a tea house and had a tea ceremony. They showed us how to make tea in certain pots, how to hold a cup, etc. Girl's pinky and ring fingers stick out while the middle finger supports the base of the cup. The thumb and index hold it. We tried four different types of tea, but I like the sweet ones the best. They sold cups that change image depending on how hot the tea is, and a little boy statue used to test the temperature of the water. When warm enough water is poured on the statue, it pees. I don't know how they make it do that, but oftentimes you like test temperature of water by pouring it over the clay, like a clay statue, and essentially this one was a little figurine of a boy, and it pees when the water is hot enough to be used for tea. It was kind of funny. Anyway, we went to a market, and I can't bargain. I was told by Soklin that scarves are worth 30 to 40 yuan. However, the man offered to me starting at 280 yuan. The difference was so great, I didn't want to make it much lower, so I said 200. I should have just said no, no, too much. If I'd walked away, that also would have helped. However, I didn't do either of those things, and he only went down to 240 yuan. I jumped into his price, and we settled on 230. After listening to what great deals everyone got, I felt almost guilty about spending that much money, even though that was only $35. As we left the store, a Chinese girl followed Nick and I. She was chanting something I couldn't understand. She, sh- she kept holding up her hands and pointing up to Nick. Nick got her to leave by saying goodbye in Chinese multiple times. I later learned that she w- had wanted money. To conclude our day... We boarded a plane and flew to Shangsha. So, um, I actually really did feel guilty about this bargaining experience. I don't know about you guys, but um, getting a good deal is very much a thing in our family. But in America, because we don't bargain, it's looking for coupons, it's waiting it out, it's saving the money, it's whatever. And I had made the mistake of saying it was a gift for my mom, which means that Like, already they know I'm American, but then when it's a gift, they're going to say a higher price. So I should have... I should have lowered that a lot. And I guess I had felt in the moment going into that, like, oh, the other experience had gone so well, this will be fine. And I felt guilty dropping the price. But that's part of their culture is the bargaining aspect. So if you ever go to China do a little bit better with the bargaining than I did. Um, I'm going to stop here for today. I have five more days to my trip, which will be another, which will be our next episode. But until next time, I hope that you have enjoyed hearing a little bit about my experience in China. Uh, the next week's episode, when I talk more about the trip, I'm going to probably break down some of how I saw Christ in all of this. Uh, but just kind of wanted to give you an introduction into my experience. So until next time, safe travels and God bless.